Welcome to the How to Buy or Sell a Business Successfully podcast. The concepts discussed in this podcast are for informational purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is intended or formed by this podcast. No legal advice is intended in the substance of this podcast. Feel free to check out our website, www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show and welcome your hosts, Jake Wayman and Sam Foreman. Welcome back to the Buy or Sell a Business Successfully podcast. We're grateful that you're joining us today. We want to help you buy or sell successfully. This is an initial series of about 12 episodes, providing an overview of how deals work and covering key concepts. We just talked about in the last episode how long your deal could take. And today we're going to talk about how much work your deal is going to take. And more importantly, some tips on how to manage them. My co-host here is Jacob Wayman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, Sam. My name is Jake Wayman. My wife and I are the owners of the Orange Theory Fitness Studios here in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, also help a lot of entrepreneurs with uh, helping them you know, develop their ideas, execute their ideas. And then outside of all that, I also help companies look and buy health insurance and help them navigate that, that interesting world right there. And my name is Sam Foreman. I'm a business attorney here in Wichita, Kansas. Our firm serves clients in Kansas and Missouri. My favorite thing to do this time of year in the fall is to recover from disappointing sports losses. I am an experience I am I am well versed in. If anyone would like special tips on that, please talk to someone else. What be- what best should you not make? Is that <laughs> yeah. more of what it is? <laughs> no, no, I, I I am not a betting man. Well, I like I like the good humored bets. In fact, someone who will remain nameless, <clears throat> Clayton, on our team owes me some Missouri beer for an undisclosed reason that no one will ever well, ever figure out. Yeah. So Jacob, I got a wild card question for yes. you. It's not on our very detailed script for those who are tuning in. I, I've done a lot better job of writing things out this year. What is your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever had as that you ever had as a kid? Uh, oh, this is actually a good one. Yeah. So I actually dressed up as Moses Thanks. and I literally made the 10 commandments like on like, like oh, cardboard, cool. cut it out, yeah. spray painted it, wrote them out and everything. And then I had like a beard, a wig, and then I had a had my cane that was like my staff and <laughs> nice. everything. And then I had a snake that was like a, around me because anyways. Yeah, so was, no, yeah, that's awesome. That was that's, I was that was probably my most creative that I got. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I I have no good Halloween costumes from when I was a kid. We didn't really do Halloween when I was a kid. My my family has substantially mellowed since then. So we do Halloween now with my kids. So two years ago as an adult, I went as Andy Reid from the Chiefs. Nice. I'd like to think I pulled it off well. Yeah. So. My, but it wasn't uh, very hard. I my, just had my, to use a mustache. My <laughs> so. kids this year are going to be yeah. a Jax is going to be a monkey and Ren is going to be a banana. Oh, that's nice. That's great. That's great. This year, our oldest is going as a spider, a spider, um, which is going to be great because I think my wife is also going to be carrying around our youngest in a baby carrier and he's going to be a baby spider also. The so itsy bitsy it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All righty. So let's talk about how much work is your deal going to take? I think one of the first things, and, and I'd love your, your perspective on this, Jake, is, is it's a lot of work to do a deal really well. It's a lot of work. And what we try to encourage folks to think about is that it's it's like working a second job while you're going through the process. 
Does that, does that jive with your experience as well? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, no matter how big or small the deal Mm -hmm. is, there's a lot of work that has to be done on it. There's a lot of complexities. There's a lot of boxes that need to be checked, documents need to be signed, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it it is more or less like a second job because more than likely you're not doing this full time trying to purchase Mm -hmm. a business. You probably are maybe working somewhere else and you're looking to buy a business because it's something that you want to do to transition away from your current job, or you are a person who already has some businesses and you're acquiring more businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, I mean, it is a, a, a separate job because it's a, it's a task in of itself to get that thing from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. And I think that's something that a lot of folks miss sometimes is they're not going into it with that mindset of here's how much work it's going to take, how much time it's going to take. Mm-hmm. They think, Hey, this is something I'll work on in a couple hours here and there on the weekend, which is definitely possible, Yeah, but it's going to drag out the process. And the longer the process yeah. takes, the more risk there is that you don't get the right deal. Yeah. Done. No, um, I, and I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll concur that is like, is you need to have dedicated time you're working on the mm-hmm. deal. You know, and if you are working somewhere else or you don't have the time to allocate on the eight to five, you need to be doing it from 5 a.m. to 8, 8 a.m. And mm-hmm. then, you know, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. I mean, right. and I mean, again, we talked about this. Our past one is always also having that balance to make mm-hmm. sure, you know, you you take the breaks that you need. But, you know, it, it's knowing there is a timeline and you need to put deadlines on yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's the same for the sell side, whether you're on the, you know, really regardless of what side of the deal you're on, whether you're on buy side or sell side, it's a lot of work because there's a lot of information that has to be prepared. There's a lot of information that has to be reviewed. And then there's a lot of decisions, really important decisions that need to be made. So let's talk about some of the things that really go into making that process so labor intensive. When it comes to preparing to buy or sell, you know, you really got to get your financials in order. When you're thinking about maximizing the value for the seller, there's, there's a whole process that you need to think about, you know, so that the business is really positioned so that you understand the value that your buyer is going to try to capture and that you've tried to maximize it as much as possible, whether that's, you know, getting contracts ready so that they're assignable to folks, whether it's making sure that your financial performance is high enough that you've unloaded debt, you know, different things like that, making sure that that's there. And then on the buy side, you know, maximizing the bankability or the investability for the buyer. I know that was a process that you went through of building a team that was going to, you know, do the deal along with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, you know, that's a process that takes time as well to make yeah. sure that your team yeah. is ready to go. Well, and I think kind of talking about your finance, having financials in order, I mean, both on the buy and sell side. So me from a buyer standpoint, you know, no, like when I asked for the financials from the person I was buying the business from, you know, he was able to get them to me quickly. They were easy to consume. They were easy to navigate. I mean, yeah, I had to, you know, mm-hmm. take some time to yeah. dive through them, but they were organized. Yeah. And I think that's a big piece of it is, is, you know, again, back to what we've talked about before is, is when you're buying a business, buy it like you're going to sell it because right. you, because yep. you need to be organized on both sides of it. And even from a buyer standpoint, when I was going about buying it, I need my own financials in order because that's what the bank was looking for back on your bankability. You know, they want to see from mm-hmm. your standpoint, are you an organized person? That's part right. of the process. Right. And they need to know, okay, like, do you have enough funding to be able to do this deal by yourself? Or are you going to need to go find partners, investors, what have you too? And a lot of that all boils down to having your finances in order that are easily accessible, easily to understand and easy to get them to where they need to go. Right, right. And it's important to remember there is no perfect. Nobody's ever going to have it all together exactly the you way I'm they want it to. You're perfect. Uh, it was perfect except for, except for Jake. You're I'm Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> 
I, that's I do not gonna deserve such you're compliments. On this, you're on this Halloween this, this year's Mr. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's that's exactly right. Thank you very much. But no matter where you're at, there's always progress to be made. Mm-hmm. And there's usually significant improvements that could be made, you know, sometimes in a relatively short period of time, but sometimes they take a little bit longer. The key is having a good team in place that's going to give you really candid advice to get you there. So once you really feel like you're ready and don't wait until you're perfect because perfect's the enemy of the good, you got to make progress. Mm-hmm. You know, then begins the process, or it might overlap a little bit, of finding a buyer or seller. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you could be working with an investment banker, you could be working with a broker, you could be, you know, doing it, you know, based on networking, any number of approaches. Yeah. But that's that's a process that can take, you know, on the sell side, it can take years. Mm-hmm. On the buy side, it can take, you know, if you find the right fit, it can t- take hours. <laughs> but don't bank on that. It's yeah. usually going to take months or at least weeks to find a good deal partner. Well, and I think for me, it's like I did mine through networking and word of mouth. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how I found our first deal was more networking. I, you know, saw a business that I, I enjoyed with Orange Theory. You know, I was a mm-hmm. member of it. And I just simply asked who the owner was and was able to get his phone phone number called him and went to coffee a handful of times. And, you know, we built the relationship and that's how we did, we got the deal done. No, that's, that's terrific. You know, then you've got to kind of, once you've identified a potential partner, then you're kind of going into initial due diligence. Mm-hmm. You get some, some initial information, some initial financials. There's probably an NDA in place. There should be an NDA in place. Have an NDA um, <laughs> to protect the conversations. That's a process that can take, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, oftentimes, you know, that usually bleeds into, which is a terrible phrase for this, it usually grows into initial negotiations where you're working on an LOI, you're working on a term sheet, Mm -hmm. really making sure everybody's on the same page on those deal makers and deal breakers. And then once you really feel like you've got that deal together, then you're kind of going through the due diligence phase. Yeah. That's a pretty intensive phase for most folks. Talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. I mean, due diligence can be anything from... Um, you know, honestly, it's the stuff that you, oh, I, I'm not how to say this. It's like, it's stuff that goes beyond Google. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, just, it's yeah. the conversations you have with cu- current customers of, of that, of the, of the potential company that you're buying or, or what have you. I mean, obviously with NDAs in place, you have to do it in a very creative way, but I mean, it, it's looking at things that you don't see on paper. You know, mm-hmm. and that and do that yeah. due diligence. You know, who are you buying from? What's their reputation? Right. You know, even from a seller standpoint, is is who are you selling to and what their reputation is? Because mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and even though you're you may be going to you're selling that company or buying that company, the name still goes with it. Right. And you know, you need to understand that process and need to I don't 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 minimize the effort that needs to take for due diligence. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you can find a lot of skeletons in clauses if you do it right. Or you can, you know, identify skeletons that you're like, hey, I'm okay with that skeleton. Or you may find that it's a great purchase and you go through with it, but you may find quickly that it's not a qualified, you know, business you want to purchase or or you or you want to sell to right. that person. Right. Yeah. No, we we talk to our clients a lot about, you know, the breakfast rule or the breakfast club. We want to break deals fast if they're going to break. Yep. And a lot of that comes down to diligence asking those questions, figuring out yeah. where are the key concerns, where are the key value points, and then yeah. asking enough questions to say, is this probably true? Mm-hmm. And then getting getting there based on your risk tolerance. And I think having some questions mm-hmm. uh, drawn out ahead of time when you're going through this process, mm-hmm. so you know yeah. what questions to ask yeah. and being intentional about right. them. Right. And there's, and there's you know, d- due diligence is usually a multi-phase process. You're usually going to start out with a short list of things, mm-hmm. get those big big questions answered, yep. then go into, you know, some of them will end up being hundreds and hundreds of questions long. Yep. Due diligence can involve hundreds, even thousands of documents sometimes, mm-hmm. which kind of leads into, you know, what, what else drives the work in the process? Communications. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that most folks, 
you know, lose sight of is it's not just all these different phases and these different items, but there is a ton of communication that goes into making a deal happen. I mean, I looked back at one of our recent deals, I think it was like 800 different communication points on stuff. I mean, it's just, it can, now that's, that's kind of an outlier in terms of the deals we're working on, but those are, that's an, that's a one data point on just how much communication goes into the deals. You figure you've got you know, a couple of people involved on the deal team, you've got the sell side, that's just our communications. Mm-hmm. That not, that's not just the ones that the, uh, you know, our client might be having, for example. And then, you know, once you've kind of gotten through that due diligence, you're going into the documentation phase. And documentation is also another labor intensive process because, you know, you, you've usually got lots and lots of documents or lots and lots of pages of documents mm-hmm. involved, depending on the size and the complexity of the deal is going to drive how many different key documents you have, how long those documents are. And depending on who your deal partner is, you might have, you know, a deal partner that has a completely different, you know, approach to the deal and their approach is we're going to do a really complex because we worked it out. We just did a, a deal recently on an M&A transaction where it was way more complex than it needed to be for that particular mm-hmm. situ- situation, but that was the buyer's business model. Yeah, this is how it yep. works. Yeah, and I think it's just going in with you know eyes wide open to knowing what how much it's going to take for communication mm-hmm. and documentation. It's not you know one document that you know you write and crown these say hey guess what we're going to buy this <laughs> hey yeah I'm going to sign it you know and the communication yep. is much more than just couple text messages and emails. I mean, it's phone calls with a lot of different parties um, Mm -hmm. that are involved with it. Yep. Yep. And then the last couple of things, you know, there's going to be a lot of third party coordination. You might need consents, you know, coordination Mm -hmm. with bankers, investors, you know, key, key business relationships. The closing process takes time. And then you've got, you know, a lot of times where the real fun begins for the buyer, which is the post-closing and that can take a lot of work. Yeah. I think kind of on that third party coordination Mm -hmm. and and communication is, is there's no such thing as, as over-communication in mm-hmm. a deal. Like yep. really it's the more you communicate, the better off you are because it, less things are, are are missing in that situation. Yeah. Less skeletons are in the closet that you're going to find. No, absolutely. Well, next I want to talk briefly about what you can do to manage the work. Here I'm going to run through just a couple of tips that can help make the work more manageable in the process. Take a schedule, take a schedule of your, excuse me, <laughs> take an inventory of your schedule and clear as much space as you can. Really figure out what you need to do and make space for what really matters. Understand the deal team schedules, figure out who's going to be traveling, who's going to be available and coordinate accordingly. Um, make sure you set expectations with your family. I mean, this is a really intensive process and you want to make sure that your family understands what your availability is going to be and that you plan and set aside really key times so that you're still investing in what matters most during the deal process. Set expectations with your colleagues. Make sure that you know they understand what your responsiveness is going to be like and who needs to pick up extra work for you so that you can focus on the deal process. Everything. You know, figure out what it is that you don't have to do that somebody else can mm-hmm. do. And give it to them. Here's one of my favorites is plan a vacation post-closing. I mean, this is something that we've learned over the last couple of years is important to encourage our clients to do is, you know, deal process is going to take months and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of strain on people. And we want to make sure that people are recharging those critical personal relationships and that personal well-being at mm-hmm. the end of the deal. Um Plan margin. Make sure that you have planned margin that you're you're you've got some space for the unexpected yeah. as it comes along. Yeah. A good example is I thought one where where 
when people are, are going to be listening to this podcast, we're probably in the process of opening up our, 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 mm-hmm. our third studio with Orange Theory. And we thought it was going to open in 2021. Mm-hmm. We are now in 2022, and it's probably not going to be open until 2023. So that just gives you a little bit on playing margin because you you can't control the unexpected. Right, right. But what you can is you can plan some, what you can do is plan some space for the yes, unexpected. Absolutely. And then it gives you gives you some bandwidth to play with. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's going in there with, with eyes wide open, with knowing that there are going to be delays. Um, and, you know, and that's where is having those expectations is crucial. Yeah. This is one of the things I admired most about how you ran your deal was you were crazy organized. You worked really well with people throughout the process in a large part because you were really well organized and other people in the deal were commenting to me um, repeatedly about how much they appreciated that. And it just makes such a big difference. Mm. Take that extra time up front, get organized, stay organized. And it just, man, it just makes everything run better. Set clear expectations with your team. Make sure that they understand how the process is going to work and what your expectations are. And then set really good boundaries on your availability. If other people have too much control over your schedule, you won't be able to focus on the things that are going to create the most value for you. And then plan time for self-care throughout. I think this was probably something that you were really good at as well is if you're able to take care of yourself, you're going to be able to make decisions better. You're going to think more clearly. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get better results out of your process. Yeah. Yep. Well, those are the key things we wanted to cover today is talking about how much time your deal is going to take, how much work your deal is going to take. The bottom line is it's going to take a lot. It's it's a really labor intensive process, especially if you want to do it right. Mm-hmm. And we talked about some things that could really help you to, to manage that work in the process. So Jacob, what's kind of your number one takeaway from today? You know, I think it's going back to that plan time for self-care. You know, there are certain times that I would, I found myself so stressed out that like my eye was twitching a little bit, but you know, and at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, it was like, I think I worried about things that didn't need to be worried about. You know, Mm -hmm. I think if you follow the process and you know that you're following the timeline and doing it, you know, just trust in the process and, you know, make sure you you plan for that self-care because sometimes you can get away from yourself and, and say, oh, I'll take care of myself when this is done. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's terrific. I think my number one thought for today is be crazy organized, which I think really goes well with, with the wellness aspect. If you're crazy organized and you stay on top of things, it just helps everything run smoother and helps you be able to take better care of yourself, which kind of leads me to, to my wellness tip for today on doing deals is invest in your deal process by planning and taking regular time for self-care during your deal. You know, just to reiterate what you said to me, it's just a critical component deals are stressful. If people take the time to take care of themselves, it just makes a big difference. Yep. Well, thank you today for joining us. Join us next time when we talk about one's favorite topic. How much is your deal going to cost? Thank you for joining us today. For future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please check out our website at www.goformanlaw learning. 